The truth is that up to two-thirds of the month we can be naturally drier due to our menstrual cycle. The truth is an uncomfortable one, and admitting to our drier days can be a bit uncomfortable too. But the truth enables us to have better sex. The truth is, sex feels better with lube. That's why Durex have a naturals range designed for women and their natural needs, including a new naturals condom with extra lubrication for a natural feeling with a gentle water-based formula. Durex Naturals Lubes, 100% natural origin ingredients, gentle water-based lube with no added fragrances or colours. Let's get comfortable with the truth. Let's get comfortable with lube. Find in store or online at superdrug.com. This episode contains themes of a sexual nature and strong language, which may not be suitable for some of our younger listeners. Hi, I'm Dr. Zoe Williams, your host for Healthful, Superdrug's brand new podcast discussing the key topics that affect your health now. In this episode, we're going to be discussing whether sex care is the new self-care and why it's so important for our mental and physical well-being. And joining me today, I've got four brilliant experts. First up is Superdrug's residence expert, host of the new Audible series, Kink and an Agony Ant on the Modern Man podcast. It's Alex Fox. Hello, Wonder Waffles. Yeah, I'm here to talk sex spurts and sex spurts. <laughs> we also have brand ambassador for Love Honey, co-host of the Laid Bear podcast and the award-winning founder of Simply Aloni. It's Aloni. Hey, hey everyone. Hope you're well. <laughs> And then we have Flo Perry, the writer, illustrator, and author of How to Have Feminist Sex. Hi, Flo. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me. And we're also going to be joined by a fourth surprise expert, but all will be revealed later on. So to get started, firstly, I'm going to come to you, Aloni. How do you think the conversation around female sexual pleasure has changed over the years? Um, I think it's changed quite drastically and this is a good thing. Um, I think we're having conversations amongst ourselves more. Um, we're researching and educating ourselves. Uh, it's also finally, in a sense, been understood that we too are sexual beings. Um, sex isn't something that is done to us as well. I mean, if you just look at the history of, I don't know, slut shaming, where, you know, women were taught to be ashamed of their sexuality or that they had to, um, you know, keep things quiet if they slept with a guy. Our sexuality was never really celebrated. But I feel like um, today that that can't really, you know, it's changing basically, especially where you have like sex experts like us who are, who are there to help educate and inform and just normalize that conversation more. It's, there's, there's been a lot of change when it comes to the conversation around female pleasure, where being involved in the topic of sex for once. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think it's changing now at speed of knots, which is a very, very welcome change. Alex, looking back to when you were growing up, what were the conversations like then? How was it different to how, well, in particular your conversations are now, but in general, how our conversations as women tend to be now? Well, to look back in my history, I'm 38 now, so we're going to have to go way, way back to the 90s. Uh, and my sex ed was way more about fear than it ever was pleasure mm. and certainly not female pleasure in six years of high school I can remember two hours of sex ed just two lessons the first took place inside a, a music room it was usually a place where we all practiced our instruments this time we were discussing very different instruments indeed um, and we were shown incredibly graphic pictures slides of genitals that were suffering the advanced stages of STIs um, there were vulvas that were covered in so many warts they looked like they'd been wrapped in bubble wrap. There were penises that looked like burnt sausages. Oh, there were a lot of clarinets and violins in that room, but there was absolutely <laughs> no horn. Uh, and the only other lesson that I can remember, we were all given these plastic probes to put condoms on, which yeah. we were told were essential to prevent unwanted pregnancy mm. and to prevent disease. But God forbid that you could actually be quite good at putting that condom on. I saw teachers raise their eyebrows at women who obviously <laughs> knew what they were doing even though that meant that if those young women were having a sex life already that they were being responsible and looking after themselves and their partners there was this weird dichotomy that we were being told 
that we should do something, but also there was disapproval if we mm. were already doing it. And now I'm sure the intention there was to protect us by giving us these messages. And I recognise that teachers had limited resources, limited information and a limited amount of time in which to teach those lessons. But it actually put a lot of people in danger, not least the young women I knew who went on to have painful um, fumbling fingering sessions and sometimes quite emotionally coercive or even forceful sexual experiences because the only message that they got from school was that the best they could expect from sex was that their boyfriend would have a good time. Um, I was also brought up near Manchester and despite the fact that we were hop, skip and a jump away from uh, the gay village and Canal Street, there was zero LGBTQ plus education. If you were lesbian or gay or any other colour of queer, there was nothing for you. And yet you got in trouble if you were looking at porn to try and learn. Um, it was, it, unfortunately, my sex education really underserved me, um, which I think is why I'm so involved now in trying to make things better. Um, I know that Aloni and I are both um, ambassadors for a young people's sexual well-being charity called Brooke. They're doing a lot of work to try and get conversations about things like consent, online porn, female pleasure, the structure of the clitoris, which was only fully um, uh, discovered in 1998. We want to put those on the curriculum. And thankfully, we've got the backing of people like Labour MP Jess Phillips. I don't agree with everything she says, but we are 100% aligned on the fact that we need to talk more about female pleasure. Yeah, it's crazy that the, the full anatomy of the clitoris doesn't even feature in a lot of medical textbooks for doctors, which is shocking. No, it's I had a very similar out, experience, out, isn't it? Yeah, I had a very similar experience of sex ed to you, which is probably partly because I'm 40, so a similar age, and I grew up not far from Manchester. But I'm guessing from that conversation, your school had a bit more cash than mine because we were only given bananas to put the condoms on. Um, but <laughs> but you're right, things have definitely changed. They've definitely moved on. Flow. Why do you think that is? Why, why do you think in particular that female masturbation and pleasure was such a taboo subject back then? I think that just like the patriarchy has profited off women not taking control over their own sex life for literally millennia. And they, it takes more than like a couple of decades of Playboy to like get over this or whatever not that playboy was particularly helpful anyway but <laughs> it, like, it, like we had we in every kind of myth and story and folktale and movie that we absorb like women are a kind of often an object that is like just like traded for marriage and like who's just looking for love and security uh and uh you know is just traded from one man to another and the kind of the there's never like the conversation that in like fairy tales that a woman might you know have sexual pleasure or <laughs> I mean that would be a way more interesting version of Cinderella emphasis <laughs> <laughs> on sin <laughs> waking up the it's prince just... by sitting on his face <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah I, I would watch that but um it, it it just it takes like it takes more than like you know just one of these podcasts or one woman standing up and being like I like wanking for it to be totally accepted and to get over this this tidal wave of kind of folklore that the patriarchy has given us that like women are the property of men and that their own desires aren't important basically. I, I actually heard a horrific story just yesterday um, from a colleague who I'm working with at the moment who was telling me about the history of the British Army and how if there were females working in the British Army, the very senior members of the army could choose which female they wanted and that female would be sent to their room to service the, the high-ranking officer. I mean, it's just, uh, thankfully, we live in a world now where all of us gasp at the thought of that. But to think that that was just, that was deemed normal, like acceptable. And it's, it's horrific. Um, 
But anyway, Alani, a lot of your work focuses on allowing women to be really open about their sexual experiences and desire, especially your podcast, Laid Bare, which yeah. is aptly named because you just put it all out there. Um, <laughs> why did you decide to focus your work in this area? Um, I just feel like it was a topic that we are never really given the chance to speak on, to be honest. Um, I feel like it's always heard from, um, you know, the male point of view. If we just, if you just look at things such as like the locker room, for example, like, you know, locker room conversations between men, um, even that type of conversation, again, it goes back to something that's always being done to women. It's never really women. Um, it never seems like it's women, um, you know, obviously being a part of the pleasure and enjoying the pleasure. It's always, I don't even want to say this too tough, but like, for example, I always tell women, I always, what I try to preach to them is never allow a guy to use you as a masturbation tool. You're not. Mm. Do you know what I mean? You're supposed to be part of the experience. It is for you as well to enjoy. And I feel like the reason why we have these conversations, especially from um, a woman's point of view on Lades Bear, is because we want to overemphasize that you are allowed to share your fun stories. You are allowed to be a slut. You are allowed to have sex within marriage if that's what you want. Or you are allowed to have casual sex or in a relationship. Whatever experience you choose to have and enjoy, let it be for you and nobody else. And don't feel like it's something you need to do to, I don't know, for example, win a guy over. Because, you know, a lot of young minds do still have that idea that if I sleep with this guy, he might love me. We want them to understand. I mean, you laughed, you know what I mean? But it still is, you know, it's still so a thing. Exactly. So I feel like um, the reason why we have these conversations is, is so everyone can listen to different experiences that come from women. And most of all, to learn as well, because... I mean, when I was growing up, I was always the person in the middle of my friends who was always having, who wanted to have that conversation about sex. And my friends would look at me like I was crazy. Like, why do you want to do that? Or women aren't supposed to talk about sex. That's not really what we do. But, you know, now that I've come with another woman who also has that conversation about sex, there's going to be another person out there who might not be able to have that same conversation with her friends, but they've got laid bare there to do that. And they're able to listen to the experiences again of, a bunch of other women who might have similar sexual experiences. And, and what sort of stories regularly come up around female self-pleasure, either on your podcast or all the other things that you're involved in? Yeah, so I always take in like stories. So I do this thing on Twitter where I get women to share stories with me, anything from sexual experiences to like, um, I don't know, maybe when their last STI check was, for example. And I do get some wild stories. Um, You know, I've had stories. I mean, I say wild, but when I say wild, I mean that I could never imagine this maybe 10 years ago, you know, where women have shared that they've slept with maybe more than one person when they weren't in a relationship, um, you know, in a week or so. But I also get stories about female masturbation and it's usually to do with them just not understanding their body. And my rule of thumb is that, you know, it's important to understand your body and to spend time with it before you leave that pleasure in a man or a woman's hand. Um, If you don't understand your body, I just feel personally that, you know, whoever you're sleeping with, you won't be able to instruct them. And um, of course, everyone, we're all different. How we receive pleasure is different. You know, um, our bodies um, react differently. Whoever you slept with last week um, is not going to have, or maybe they will, you might just be lucky, but they won't have the (laughs) same pleasure points as the person you're going to sleep with tomorrow. So... um, The reason why I say that is because I enjoy seeing people share their experiences. Well, I say people, I just mean women, to be honest. Um, (laughs) I enjoy seeing women share their experiences in in response to how they enjoy pleasure because it then also educates men or women who are reading that we all um, climax differently. We all have different, um, you know, erogenous zones, et cetera, et cetera. So... That is something that needs to be um, spoken about. And again, it just normalizes the conversation. It does. And and one of the first steps is actually understanding where your pleasure comes from, understanding yourself Mm -hmm. and what makes you, what is likely to lead you onto orgasm and and what are your own erogenous zones. And Flo, in your book, you partly focus on exactly that, women getting to know their own bodies. Why is that so important? Why is sex care such an important part of self-care? Well, I think that... I think the first stage of like having like good sex and feeling like at one with your sexual self is 
finding out what you want Mm -hmm. and that if that for women is often like not straightforward so often that we're taught that what we should want is purely just to be desired by someone else and then like whatever happens after that point is like a bonus but like you have to you have to masturbate to really find out what you want sexually I think like you know who knows what is going to pop into your head in that magic moment (laughs) Um, and I think that having a fulfilling sex life is, should be like a kind of, we, we, we say like, oh yeah, you need like a good social life. You need to have, you know, um, a fulfilling career maybe, or like hobbies to be happy. You know, we should have our 30 minutes of exercise a day or whatever. But I also think another one of those checkboxes should be being happy with your sex life. Like it yeah. should be, it shouldn't be something that's like an added bonus. It should be something that you're allowed to prioritize and say like, actually, like my mental health is much better. I am much happier when I'm getting regularly late. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Or even like when I'm, you know, when I have time to masturbate uh, three times a week. Or, or making um, time, making time to masturbate. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, when I'm just having the kind of sex that I want to have rather than just the kind of sex that I think is pleasing another person. Yeah. Um, and I think that we should all like just think that yeah we deserve to have good sex and it's it's something that we can just ask for basically and you mentioned mental health there and that's something I wanted to ask Alex about about how how can your sexual well-being impact on your mental well-being how are the two linked uh well before we talk about mental stuff I've just got to say that there's been a portion of my mind throughout this conversation now really thinking that we need to make these female pleasure and empowerment fairy tales come true between the lot of us <laughs> I've got sleeping booty written down here fat Punzel, <laughs> little red ride my ride my hood oh my we've got a project here but yeah back to mental I just well-being. love your brain your brain it's so <laughs> quick it's so <laughs> fast <laughs> bless you but it's like budget brand Russell brand really <laughs> a lot of the time I think one of the reasons I'm single is my absolute inability to hold back on a pun um, <laughs> but I also have an absolute inability to hold back on my punani so thankfully I'm keeping myself very happy with masturbation uh, which was one of the reasons why why my mental health I think is quite solid um, giving yourself sexual pleasure can affect you in both a physical and uh, a psychological manner if we talk about the physical um when you orgasm or when you experience sexual pleasure you don't you don't have to just reach climax i think sometimes if we talk about sex as um achieving that big o or otherwise it's a no go we're making it quite goal oriented there and i just want to reassure any women listening who maybe struggle to reach orgasm masturbation sexual pleasure those things still have value to you and for you um so when we experience sexual pleasure the body produces a whole horde of feel-good chemicals. You've got dopamine, you've got oxytocin, you've got endorphins. and They have the combined effect of helping us sleep better, helping us feel less stressed and less anxious, um, generally giving us warm, fuzzy feelings after we've maybe given ourselves some buzzy feelings. Um, <laughs> I think also... Um, Masturbation is increasingly being thought of um, as within society as part of a self-care regime. As Flo says, there was actually a big global study done of 10,000 people, uh, and that found that um, 64% of British folks now say that masturbation is part of their self-care routine, uh, and f- around half of them say that it improves their well-being. Um, it, in fact, having a wank came just below having a good night's sleep, but above a bubble bath and listening to relaxing music when it came to helping people <laughs> chill out. So, <laughs> Appropriate the place, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I'd also argue, though, that masturbation plays a really big part in helping improve your self-confidence, your self-esteem and your body image. I think that once you realise the capacity that your body has to make you feel good, it's a lot easier to feel good about your body. Um, I actually consciously try and remind myself every day um, that uh, my thighs feel quiveringly, beautifully fabulous when I'm having an orgasm. My vulva makes me feel glorious. It can make me see stars with the pleasure (laughs) it brings. And reminding myself of the 
the immense power that my body has to make me feel great really helps me on those days when I'm focusing more on my cellulite or my saggy bits. Self-love can help you love yourself. Love that. Love that. Aloni, we kind of, well, Alex spoke there about, you know, the, the orgasm, the big O, it's not the be all and end all. Yeah. Um, but there may be people listening to this who've never experienced an orgasm before. Yeah. And they probably would quite like to if they could. Where, what advice would you give? Where should they start on that journey towards exploration um, in trying to hopefully achieve an orgasm? Now, um, when it comes to masturbating, especially when it comes to female pleasure, I feel like it's always best to just be patient and to also get a bit of help. So I remember like when I was 18, I bought my first sex toy. Before that, I don't, I couldn't tell you what I was using. I probably maybe made something to masturbate with, (laughs) but as I got older, um, you know, um, I bought my first sex toy and I feel like for anyone who's listening, if they did, because it is a question I get all the time, like, I've never masturbated before. What toy um, could I get my hands on? And I would probably, like, suggest, for example, um, the Love Honey Excite um, that's currently in Superdrug. It's got 10 functions. It's a bullet. And what I find great about bullets is that it focuses on where it needs to focus on. And what I mean is the clitoris. Um, a lot of people Woo! do not know. <laughs> a lot of people do not know, but um, the clitoris is basically, you know, the only sex organ that we have that was designed for sexual pleasure. And for so long, sex in itself has been so penetration focused. It's been so penis focused, but that is not the reality of our sex lives as women or just as people with vaginas. That is not how we orgasm all the time. I mean, there is a a small percentage, there is a percentage out there that can certainly like climax through penetration or through clitoral and um, vaginal penetration. Mm -hmm. But that is our love button. You can't miss that place. You know, I even asked a question on Twitter yesterday. I said, you know, men, if you had a vagina or a vulva for 24 hours, what would you do? And it was hilarious because the women who replied actually said they'd try to look for the clitoris. And it just shows you how um, important it is in our sex lives. And, you know, um, I just think it's just very important to be patient with yourself when it comes to masturbating. Don't expect to get that big O the first time you try it. But just be patient with yourself. If you need to light some candles, light some candles. If you need to read some erotica, read some erotica. If you need to drink a glass of wine, do that. Lock your door, be patient with yourself. Look at yourself in the mirror and just make love to yourself. Speak words of affirmation to yourself. Remind yourself that you're gorgeous, that you're beautiful. Any guy or girl who'd be with you, be very lucky. Say something that will turn you on, get you into the mood and go from there. Make love to yourself. There's nothing wrong with that. I love that. So, but out of interest, if the women said that they would look for their clitoris, what did the men say they would do Ooh, with very their good question. So funnily enough, this is why double standards is interesting because... <laughs> they actually said that they would make money from it so which i find hilarious because oh, a lot of them make noise exactly a lot of them make noise about women who do choose to monetize from their sexuality uh-huh. but they actually admitted that they would definitely um jump on um websites that are known for for sex workers etc so i find that i found that quite interesting and hilarious yeah I, I actually found that quite that surprising. Coming. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> I thought I you were going to say I that. I should have added that. I apologise. <laughs> yeah, I thought that you were going to say it was all about penetration. They would find the biggest vibrator and they'd go bam, bang, bam, bam, bam. They didn't. One um, guy definitely said that he would, um, he would go on a sex spree. Definitely he did, which I found hilarious as well. But majority definitely said that they would be a sugar baby and that um, they <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was interesting. God damn it, men, all about the pounding or the pounds, huh? Yeah, yeah. I know, <laughs> the secret world of men's brains. That's so interesting. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. Now, remember I mentioned earlier that there's going to be a little surprise. Um, unfortunately, this guest couldn't join us live, so I did a little interview earlier with Dr. Alicia Boot. So Alicia, you're a sexual wellness doctor for Candy. Can you explain a bit about that? And what exactly is sexual wellness? Um, So 
if I start by explaining about what sexual wellness is, and then I'll tell you a bit about my job at Candid. Um, so sexual wellness is a relatively new concept, um, but it's about bringing together our physical health, our mental and emotional state, and our social well-being through the expression of our sexuality. I think people forget that sex is a basic human need in sort of Maslow's hierarchy of basic human needs, and that it gets left behind a lot of the time. And I, I think more important than that, we're beginning to realize it's not just sex as the physical act, it's our expression of our own sexuality. Um, that it's important to understand ourselves as humans. Um, I think... Do you know what, as soon as you say that, straight away, I think about our medical education and how we learn about the biopsychosocial models so of the biology, the psychology and the so social health. And we learn about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like basic needs of a human being. And actually, sex was never really included as a part no, of it. No, and it's there. It's along there with the... When I was yeah. at medical school anyway. <laughs> no, and even, even you know, I've, well, I finished med school about three years ago. And again, it's it's there, it's it's mentioned, but it's brushed over. I don't even think certain lectures will be like, oh yeah, so you need to breathe and mm. you need to eat and you need to sleep. And it's like, what about sex? We, we don't talk about that, you know? And there's all this focus, <laughs> like people, yeah. I'm sure you see it, Zoe, as, as a GP, people come to you about sleep and things all the time. But how many people are brave enough to come and talk about issues mm. that they're having about sex? You know, it's it's a real struggle. It's, 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 very, it's very, very rare, actually. It's very rare that somebody would come and their primary primary presenting problem is about sex and it's only now actually that I think well that's that's not right that's unusual because it is a big part of our lives. I mean most of us wouldn't be here without it so it's it is <laughs> um and it's about bringing together lots of different things you know understanding your rights understanding your own body and your own health um understanding what pleasure is these all feed in together into your sexual wellness. Um, I suppose that feeds quite nicely into my role here at Candid. And it's about engaging people and empowering them to start having these conversations about being a listening ear, you know, offering advice and um, helping to empower people to understand themselves better so they can feel, you know, live in a more well way. It, it kind of makes me think about sex in the city as well and how... Um, I used to watch that when I was at uni, which is quite some time ago, but it was so, even on that program, it's like that program yeah. was breaking boundaries because they would talk about sex. And I think now even going back and watching those episodes, you kind of think, well, actually, this is not a big deal. Um, but we've come quite yeah. a long way, I yeah, think, haven't we? Yeah, definitely. Um, I definitely go back to sex in the city as like a comfort blanket sometimes, but you listen to Charlotte talking about her rabbit vibrator and it's like, it's like this big reveal and this big shock. And actually it's like, oh yeah, you know, we've all been there now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just a vibrator. Yeah. Um, so how can, how can pleasure play a part in our overall health? Um, so pleasure is a real essential part of being a human. I think, you know, we, uh, especially now we understand, you know, it's good to be happy. You know, you want to enjoy all things in your life and pleasure isn't just sexual pleasure. You know, you get pleasure out of eating, out of going for a run, but sexual pleasure has been suppressed for such a long time. I think especially for women as well, you know, lie back and think of England being a prime mm -hmm. example of that. You know, it's just been, oh, you, you don't need to enjoy it. And you look at our sex education. We don't talk about female orgasm. We don't talk about the clitoris. We don't talk about the importance of orgasm. Um, and as part of that as well, orgasm is only part of pleasure. You can enjoy mm -hmm. sex without having an orgasm. So there's also this inherent sense of failure that, oh, I didn't come. So, you know, must be, must be bad on both parts, you know, involved in sex. Um, I think it's a real affirming thing as a human to experience pleasure. It is one of the best <laughs> things, I think, being a human. Um, but one of the great things is that pleasurable experiences release a huge cocktail of hormones inside our brain, oxytocin, prolactin, serotonin, our endorphins, um, which have a multitude of health benefits. They help us sleep better. They make our skin better. They improve our mood. Um, it gives certain organs better health, you know, so regular masturbation is associated with improved vaginal lubrication and, um, you can have a reduction in menstrual cramps. It can also help with pain relief in other areas of the body as well. Um, and it's also been associated with improved confidence. People who 
masturbate regularly, um, have an overall improvement in their self-awareness and self-confidence. So it's really amazing what it can do for us. It's, it's so incredible, really, isn't it, that essentially masturbation is it's kind of like medicine, in a sense. Yeah. I think some of the medicines that we encourage people to take if they're at high risk of things like heart attack, strokes, are medicines that have a reduction in your body's inflammatory state. And a lot of the chemicals that you mm-hmm. spoke about there can help to do that as well. And, and I, you know, I talk a lot about physical activity. That's kind of my specialist subject, which I think physical activity is a really um, interesting subject. Until I speak to somebody like you and your specialist subject is sex, it's like, okay, that's even more interesting. But a lot of the benefits from physical activity, regular physical activity, are around these chemicals, some of which you've spoken about, and about reducing the 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 stress on the cells of our body. Um, and it helps our sleep and, you know, it helps us feel better about ourselves. And, and actually, a lot of the things you said there about masturbation kind of correlate quite closely. And, you know, sometimes, depending on how you do it, you know, your heart rate goes up, you might get a little bit sweaty. Yeah. So it kind of probably yeah. does count as a form of physical activity as well. That's exactly what I was about to say. Sex can be a form of physical activity and people forget that as well. So, you know, when you feel like you're trapped inside, there's always options. <laughs> mm, I love that. Okay. Missing something in your sex life? Introducing Superdrug 2-in-1 Massage Gel. It may be used for massage or intimate areas, whether you want to lube up while you're getting handsy or want a little less friction during L-O-V-E making. This could help get sex off the starting blocks. Find in store or online at superdrug.com. What are some common issues women come to you with when it comes to issues around sex? Um, I seem to have sort of three key categories that people come to me with. One is advice um, about what sex toy to buy. Obviously, Candid is a sex toy company um, and we specialise in, we want to be an innovative and inclusive sexual well-being brand hence why i'm on the team um and also the way that our toys are designed they're designed to be used by anybody on anybody part um so again it's a lot of i've never bought a vibrator before or something's happened i've actually had quite a few women come to me after sexual assault and wanting to understand their bodies again and reclaim themselves and that's been quite common actually which is awful but also really quite special that they they feel that this is the time and this is the space in which they can do it because a long time ago it would have been just suppress it forget about it and your sexual being would never have been spoken about again so yeah like a really really positive step forwards from something that is so awful exactly exactly um so that's quite a big one that I get asked about um I have um a lot of questions about self-confidence and um, the issues with slut shaming that even after the me too movement we're still seeing a lot of it and it's horrific it's that idea that you can't be a sexual being as a woman and still be a valued woman in society um and that's obviously i wish i had the answer to that completely Mm. but i think we just have to keep working together and moving forward um and the last one and again it's all sort of on this similar thread and it's it's really quite sad but it's am i normal you know i've got this discharge is that normal um my labia is this shape is that normal and i think it's because again we've not spoken about female anatomy or physiology in any meaningful or understanding way you know most women have not seen another woman's vulva in real you know in real life you know in a photograph or anything like that and the ones that we do see mostly either through porn which have been augmented to look a certain way that we believe is attractive to a male gaze or um a perfect example in an anatomy textbook but obviously as you and i both know every person is different so um those are quite challenging conversations but also very rewarding that people are like oh so that is normal it's like it's about knowing what's normal for you so then you can recognize a change you know sometimes I do wish that every woman and girl had seen what I've seen so as a doctor you know obviously as doctors we see 
the whole body um, and we yeah. see the whole body hundreds, thousands of times. Um, so therefore, you know, it's a real privilege that we, you know, as individuals, we know that there is no norm, that like everybody's different mm. and everything is fine mm. and everything is normal. And like you say, mm. most people, most women who've seen other women's vulvas have seen a very particular, you know, like you say, it's either through pornography or an anatomy textbook. So they see something that looks a certain way. And sometimes I wish I could share that from my brains. It's like, no, yeah. do you know what? And, and, you know, sometimes if it's women, often it's if doing smear tests or examining women mm. if they've got symptoms. And the amount of shame that women and girls sometimes come with because they think that they are unusual or abnormal. It's like, no, like this is just normal. And wish could share that. Yeah. Um, and for that people who are, sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say, and that's the concerning thing is that it's the levels of shame that mm. mean that people can't, won't access health, you know, or yeah. normal. So I don't want to go for a smear test. It's really embarrassing. You yeah. know, it's, it's not embarrassing for us, is it? You know, as no. we see it all the time and that a body is a body and it's a person it's completely removed from a sexual context you know yeah. as a as a healthcare professional there's nothing embarrassing for us there at all but the shame that is felt by people that then means they won't go for their smear test or they won't ask for help or they won't go for regular STI checks and it's like, absolutely absolutely and I you know I've spoken about this I've been quite vocal about this through the pandemic um mm. about people coming forward with what could be potentially signs of cancer but it even stops people coming forward with breast lumps and yeah. you know things that they've noticed or blood or discharge mm. or any anything from you know anything sometimes they could think well this could be a sign of cancer but um, I don't know how to find the words to even tell the doctor that the problem is in my vagina or my vulva or my breast or whatever. And mm. especially people who don't speak English as a first language. I've had some, some consultations where you can tell it's taken that person's all of their bravery. They don't know the proper word. And we don't care as doctors, whatever word you need to use is yeah. fine. So I had a patient recently is like, oh, I don't know how to say this doctor. I'm sorry, my English isn't great, but it's a problem with my dick. I'm like, that's fine. You can call yeah. it a dick. I know what yeah. you mean. That's all that yeah. matters. But it's really difficult for people to come forwards and talk yeah. about certain parts of their body to the point at which it's putting their health at risk and sometimes even putting their lives at risk. Exactly. All right. I want to ask about a bit more about exploring pleasure. So for people who might be listening to this, who are thinking, oh my goodness, like actually masturbation, self-pleasure is self-care and it might even make me healthier and live longer. How, how can women get started? I think it's a really amazing thing that people are starting to, you know, want to explore. Um, and I think start small and start where's right for you there's no right or wrong way. Um, I think it's often quite good to get people to think about what have they enjoyed in normally in a partnered experience. Again, female masturbation has been associated with shame forever. This is only just mm. starting to change. You know, we saw it originally, as we said earlier, with sex in the city and now it's, it's moving much more forward. Um, so start with what you have enjoyed in other sexual experiences that you've had where do you enjoy being touched and um, what sensations do you enjoy you know whether it's um penetration or stimulation of the clitoris and um, whether it's oral sex start thinking about that and give yourself a safe space and give yourself the time time is so important and unpressured time. I've had loads of people go to me like, so um, I know I feel most sexy when I'm in, you know, sexy underwear and have a full face of makeup on. And then um, I've given myself 45 minutes. It's like, but then you put a pressure on yourself. You know, you mm -hmm. need to remove those pressures. It's so good that you've recognized those first bits that make you feel good, but do it in a space that is safe for you, that you're not going to feel awkward or weird or worried give yourself enough time that it doesn't it doesn't matter how long it takes whether it takes two minutes or two hours just give yourself that opportunity you deserve it mm -hmm. um and said so a lot of questions i get about a first vibrators and, it, and it's a similar thing to that is where do you enjoy being stimulated what sensation do you enjoy um sex toys can be sort of broadly um, split into vibrating and rumbling. Vibrating is a very high frequency vibration um, that 
wouldn't normally be achieved during normal sex. So um, it can make people orgasm very quickly. Um, rumbly is longer, deeper vibrations, which are quite good for people who struggle to orgasm because it can stimulate all the way down into the pelvis. And um, the clitoris, the part we see of it, is only the very tip. It actually goes very deeply into the pelvis. And these rumbling sex toys can allow stimulation the whole length down it. Um, so start thinking about what you need from a toy. Um, and also, excuse the pun, what your vibe is. If you're a pink sparkly person, go for a pink sparkly sex toy. Yeah. If you prefer something, you know, dark and grungy, go for that. There's no point, you know, if you're somebody who prefers very monochromic, subtle things in life, don't go for the bright pink rabbit. You know, it's not you. <laughs> yeah, you're just going to be like, oh my God, this is garish, yeah, awkward. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's going to make you feel awkward and weird. And I always say it's really important that... People are like, oh, I bought this and I don't like it. It's fine. Things aren't meant to be perfect the first time, yeah. you know. Yeah. Give yourself that opportunity and don't worry if it didn't work. There's something about investing in yourself as well. We think about the amount of money we spend on gym memberships or designer clothes or, and actually, you know, sex toy. You, the first, you might spend 30, 40 quid on one. It might not be right for you. That's fine. Treat yourself, buy another one. You deserve yeah. it. Exactly, exactly. And there are so many good deals and things out there, you know, kind of we have a Black Friday sale at the moment, but you know, there's always offers and things that if you think, okay, it's a treat and I'll try that this time. I think, yeah, as you say, it's just look around and start exploring. What What is the price range of the toys available through Candid? Um, Candid toys sit between, mostly between 35 to 70 pounds. Okay. Um, and they're, so with, they're available, some of them are available at Superdrug, right? Yes, yeah, including some of our most popular ones, such as the wild one, um, which is a type of rabbit vibrator. So, yeah, we teamed up with Superdrug earlier on in the summer, so it's very exciting. And I think even that, it just sends a message to people that, you know, you don't have to go to a special, special shop, you don't have to yeah. order it online that's going to come in, you know, box a box that hides what it is you can actually just walk onto the high street into your local super drug have a look on the shelves it's there plain for everybody to see it's not in a special corner it's just there no. because actually do you know what this isn't something that is rude this isn't something that is naughty this is just a normal part of living and self-care exactly exactly it's a really essential wellness tool um and also i love the candid packaging it's all done like tropical wallpaper so i have them all around my house anyway <laughs> love it love it um finally the last thing i wanted to ask you about is getting to know our bodies we, we've already yeah. touched upon how important it is from a medical point of view um, yeah. and how you know not knowing our bodies not feeling comfortable with our bodies can put your life at risk mm. if we go with the most dramatic example um but how important is it for our overall health to to just get to know our bodies um i think i touched upon this earlier but for me it's about knowing what's normal for you what's mm -hmm. your normal discharge what mm -hmm. way do your boobs feel normally what way do your testicles feel normally because it's if we know what normal is we can yeah. then recognize much sooner what abnormal is and you were the person that know yourself the best so, you know, it, there's so much weight when somebody comes to me, they go, when they go, something just doesn't feel right. And actually you have to give that the time because if something has changed for them, they may recognize it before, you know, some of our tests would. Um, so I think that is the most key thing. Explore your body so you know what is normal for you and do it regularly because then you'll pick up on when things change. Yeah, absolutely. It reminds me of um, a little phrase that my friend has. My friend is a breast cancer survivor and um, she always talks about how, you know, we, we get we get everything, all of our information now from our phones. We're constantly on there scrolling for info. She's like, get your hands off your phone and into your bra and engage <laughs> with your body and get to know that. Um, so I think it's quite a nice little note to end on that, you know, that our bodies, we own them, they're our responsibility. Mm -hmm. You know, we need to get to know them, love them, care for them and pleasure them. Yes. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I learned so much from that little chat. Um, and, you know, I might just go off and uh, explore some candid toys. <laughs> Thanks, Zoe. <laughs> Thanks, Alicia. Take care. Bye.
Flo, how does sexuality play into sex care? What advice would you give to someone who wants to explore their sexuality? Um, well, I think if you are not sure that you are 100% heterosexual, I think the best way to like discover about your sexuality and what you really want from sex is probably to try and have a wank without porn, I would say. Not every, like I'm all for porn. It's great. It's fun. It's great. But I think that sometimes porn, like you can just see like a hundred things and you're like, well, all of this is making me wet. I don't really know <laughs> which one. <laughs> it's all very overwhelming. And uh, I think I, I'm just going to come instantly. Um, <laughs> maybe that's just my personal. <laughs> <laughs> Many people out there feeling jealous right now. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think that if you have an old fashioned wank. <laughs> then you can really see like I have I consciously think what is floating into your brain what are you thinking about like what what body parts are you focusing on are you focusing on like your own body are you focusing on like rippling abs are you sort of focusing on like soft cellulite thighs like what is it that is floating into your mind and go from there and like you know I think that a lot of people think like okay I want to be in a submissive role therefore I have to be with a man Mm. I think that is something that a lot of women could do with challenging and being like "Mm, is it like am I really focused on like a male body like what what do I fancy do I like do I just think women are beautiful aesthetically or do I want to kiss them gently at night (laughs) 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 Uh, uh, you know explore like you know you can watch different kinds of porn and see if it works for you. Um, That's another way of doing it. Yeah. But I think, you know, having the Imagi wank and seeing what images float up, what feelings float up, what what is the core of your sexuality, what really turns you on is the best way to understand. And I guess guess it's accepting and listening to what they are and seeing what they are without judgment and really Mm, being free to just see what comes up and go with it love that um so alex i want to come to you next and understanding your own sex sexual pleasure on your own masturbation can really help actually improve the sex with your partner in a relationship or partners in a relationship too so what are some good ways to go about communicating your needs to your partner i think so many people out there think I really wish my partner could read my mind because what I actually want them to do is X, Y, or Z, but find it really difficult to communicate that. Uh, Yeah, X, Y, Z, or V as well. (laughs) And it's actually one of my pet hates that lots of sexperts say, oh, it's really important to communicate, but then they don't give you any frameworks for how to do that. Yeah, what are the words? Like, What do you actually say? Give me a clue. Because it can be really difficult to broach that conversation. It can feel embarrassing. As women, we're conditioned as well not to ask for what we want. So we get get a lot of messages that tell us just to just to go with it, just to be led by our partner. And additionally, I think there's a real misconception that if we have good chemistry with somebody, if someone is the right partner for us, then it should all automatically fit into place and that we shouldn't need to tell them what we like and what we want because they will somehow, like the mystic Meg of vulvas, just be able to uh, automatically know. I think we need to be really careful not to conflate compatibility with clairvoyance. Um, God knows I can't read my partner's balls like the magic crystal balls. Talking <laughs> is really, really important. Um, three ways to broach conversations or to start communicating about what you want. Um, the first one is I think people should regularly, no matter how their sex life is going, um, make time outside of the bedroom, maybe once a week with a cup of tea, just to check in and chat about what what's on your mind I think we really need to normalize talking about sex before there's a problem or before there's something that we want to ask for so that when we do need to address an issue or when we have a request um it doesn't feel quite so nerve-wracking so normalize talking regularly about sex before it becomes an issue and secondly make yourself a sex menu um this isn't something where you put oh I'd love a full English uh (laughs) followed by seven helpings of tiramisu although if you're into (laughs) sloshing fair enough that might be part of it and a sex menu is where you and your partner if you have one write a list of everything that you'd really like to try all the things that you know you already like 
things that you're perhaps uh, inquisitive about but unsure of, and then maybe stuff that's totally um, off the cards for you that you don't want. Um, and then comparing those lists and seeing where you match and what you don't can be a really useful exercise. Sitting down and just trying to pull these ideas out of thin air can be a challenge. So you, thankfully, there are some really good um, templates that you can download either for free or for a couple of pounds online. One I really like is by a, a sex education duo called Meg, John and Justin. Um, I think there's about £1.50. They're, they're pretty affordable. And um, there's also a really good um, little experiment that you can do called bossy massage. This is where you ask your partner to give you a massage, but they are not allowed to touch you anywhere until you've told them precisely where and precisely how you want to be touched. Love and then that. you switch through. Yeah. Now for the person receiving the massage, it helps you really think about um, exactly what you're in the mood for at that moment and question well uh, do I sometimes go into autopilot and um, do am I usually more led by my partner than I ought to be and it gives you practice at asking specifically and confidently for exactly what you want whereas for your partner it gives them practice at listening and it also prompts them to pay attention to maybe parts of your lovemaking repertoire where whether they were perhaps assuming that they knew what you wanted or they were automatically doing something that had always worked before or they'd assumed that it had um, without asking whether that's what you actually um, fancied on that particular day. Paying attention to whether you want the, the, the strokes to be light or whether you want more pressure, um, whether you want somebody to um, touch you on your private parts or maybe somewhere else on your body, that can be really informative and it's quite good fun as well you get to lie down for a while <laughs> <laughs> I love that I've, I've noted down there Meg John and Justin Flo Meg John is one person Meg John MJ. oh Meg John Meg John yeah. and Justin I was thinking you said duo okay brilliant um Aloni and Flo do you have any resources that you always recommend uh <laughs> <laughs> sorry to put putting you on the spot there <laughs> So is this when it comes to communicating? Yeah, yeah, when it comes to communicating. Oh, do you know what? How, how about we talk, open it up and say just just generally? Obviously, there's the Laid Bear podcast, which is very, very good. Yes. Uh, <laughs> okay. But any, anything else you. that you think, you know, if people have listened to this podcast and really enjoyed it and thought, I want to learn more about this stuff in general? Oh, right. So um, I would definitely say follow pages on Instagram. Like you've got amazing illustrators such as um, Flo as well. Oh, I follow, I love to follow hashtags on Instagram. I know you're supposed to obviously follow people, of course, but I follow hashtags. So I search things from sexuality, black sexuality, um, you know, just different ways in which I can be educated. Because I'm always, I love coming across new people. I love coming across, even the younger generation, they're always teaching me stuff. Like, so for example, Generation mm -hmm. Z, I feel like they're very woke. <laughs> so um, they're always teaching me things when it comes to sexuality that I still didn't know. So, um, and I just feel like the sometimes they can actually be a lot more progressive. Um, I definitely agree with... Um, um, Alex, when referencing Meg John Barker, actually, I'm reading um, this um, the Psychology of Sex right now. So that is a really good book. Um, I enjoy listening. Well, I say I'm reading. She's reading it to me. So I've got the audio book. <laughs> so that's always great. Um, if you're always busy like myself, um, audio books are great as well. I would also say... Um, who else? There's also another great page on Instagram called Afrosexology. Mm -hmm. That's an amazing page which just talks about, you know, you know, the wide spectrum of sexuality as a whole. Um, other resources um, include the you know amazing charities as well that just teach us about sex education from Brooke to um sh24 as well. So yeah, those are my resources. Brilliant. Gosh, plenty. Flo, did you have anything to add? Um, I've thought of two since Aloni thankfully took the first slot. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Hey, we're communicating um, about how we want our slots to be taken and in what order. <laughs> Uh, one is uh, a book that I read, which when I first read it is before I wrote my book really like blew my mind and was like, wow, I've been thinking about sex wrong my whole life, which is uh, Come As You Are by Emily Nagoski. So good. Which I think, like, for anyone, uh, for any woman out there, I would recommend to read it because it really just, it takes you through and it, like, 
it takes you through all the kind of preconceptions that you might have about your own sexuality and it breaks them down and it, it has beautiful exercises in it to kind of analyze yourself Noted down. I think it's basically like having a sex therapist <laughs> I, I've written that one down um, in capital letters definitely purchasing that as soon as we're done here <laughs> so I love that book um and the other thing on the subject of sexuality that I could um recommend uh is that obviously a lot of women feel shame about the fact that they might be uh, attracted to other women and that shame can really kind of blind you in like working out what you want in that aspect of your life and there's a great google doc which I don't know who wrote, but it goes around the internet. It's called the Am I a Lesbian Master Doc. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, you can, and it goes through and it really like, it's like, okay, like, and it kind of, it, it gives you lots of questions about like, like the kind of relationships you want to have with women, how you feel about your relationships with men, how you feel about your sex life. And it's lots of questions to ask yourself, think like, am I actually attracted to women? Is this what I want? Um, and so I think, it's, it's a fun read for anyone out there and it really challenges the compulsive heterosexuality that is the culture that we all live in and helps you break through of that. Thank you for that. Um, just to give you a heads up, the final question I'm going to ask each of you is if there is a myth that you would like to debunk around female pleasure. That's going to be at the end, but just to give you a little bit of a warning. Ooh, um, okay. Last few minutes, just before we get to that, I just wanted to quickly bring up the, the topic of consent. Um, can discussing consent help you have a more comfortable and safer sex life? Um, oh, and, absolutely. And yeah, why don't you start us off then, Alani? Um, I always talk about consent and um, you know, when talking about consent, people, people I found, especially on my socials is that they feel like when you hear the word consent, it automatically means sexual assault. Now we all know that if there is no consent, of course, you know, we have to have that uncomfortable conversation around rape, etc. Um, but I do feel like people also forget that consent doesn't just start and stop at the beginning of sex, which is really important. Sex is, I mean, sorry, consent is supposed to be a conversation that happens throughout, um, you know, when sex is going on. And this can be from anything from saying, you know, is this okay? Am I doing this fine? Are you okay? Do you want me to continue? You know, I often do say that consent is sexy, but above all, it is mandatory. And the reason why I do say it's sexy is because I feel like the power of language of your partner communicating with you is beautiful. They're checking if you're comfortable. They're checking that you're still into it. They're making sure that you're still okay with the process that's going on. And I feel like a partner who cares about your well-being during sex is a partner who truly cares about you. Um, and sometimes people forget that. A partner who does care about your well-being during sex is a partner who does truly care about you. And that is all, again, to do with consent. It's more, it's not just communicating. It's making sure that, um, you know, with everything that is going on between the two of you, um, again, you're just comfortable. I guess it comes back to what we were saying about this is a two-way thing. Two people, maybe more, but let's give the example of <laughs> <Yeah>. two people. <laughs> if both people are not involved, enjoying it and wanting to continue, it, it's not about male pleasure. It's about female pleasure too. And if for any reason, for what, for whatever reason, during the middle of sex, halfway through, three quarters of the way through, either party doesn't feel comfortable, isn't enjoying it, then yeah, if you know that, and I think you're right. I think it would it adds such an additional level of intimacy as well when you're oh, when you're definitely. you know when you're checking, um, checking that everything's okay. Just checking in. It's literally just checking yeah. in. That is it. Because even when I mentioned this on Twitter, there was a side of Twitter that kind of disagreed with me, and it was quite scary. Wow. They were like, "Oh, so we have to." ask every question you know during the process and I was just like sometimes you have to use wisdom mm. in scenarios to understand what I mean like let's not be silly we all understand what I mean yeah. Do you know what I mean and there's been stories I've heard from women um you know where they think they think that they're sharing an exciting sexual story with me and I just look at it and I've read it and I'm just like my love this doesn't seem consensual. Do you know what I mean? So it is scary sometimes that women aren't even aware of what is consensual and what isn't, which again is why we need like 
well, us brilliance experts to continue putting out that word and continue educating. There can be that entertaining side and that educational side, but consent is so important. Um, even I go into schools to talk about it as well, because I feel like consent is not just something that you start talking about once you remove your clothes or once you like see someone in a bar. These are conversations we need to have amongst little kids, um, you know, from, you know, teaching kids like when they don't want to be touched or it's okay to not want to kiss your auntie or your uncle on the cheek to going to secondary school, having that guy who probably has a crush on you pull on your bra strap and that be an attitude that he then takes into club culture, which of course then gets taken to university, which is, I guess, you know, sadly known for that that sort of behavior. So there's so much to consent that we really need to have a conversation. If in doubt, check in. If there's no doubt, check in anyway. And if you get anything other than what is a firm yes, then it's a no. Um, Last topic before we come on to those myths around sex toys. I've just got to add something if that's okay. Go on. I think as well as teaching consent, teaching people to ask, we need to teach people how to say what they want. Um, I went to a consent workshop with a woman called Marty Birch a while ago that just helped you to practice saying no, saying yes, and saying maybe. And it was a lot harder than you would imagine. Um, I think if you're a parent as well, who is listening to this, or you're a caregiver, thinking, yeah, my sex education was terrible. I didn't hear about consent. I'm concerned that... um, Um, the young people that I am in charge of, that I'm responsible for, aren't getting this education at school yet because they don't have brilliant people like Alani going into their particular high school or whatever. There are some really good resources to have those conversations at home. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, sex positive families and outspoken education, both of which have loads of free online resources. So if you're worried that your child's teacher is not teaching them about consent, there's lots of support to help you do that role really helpful thank you Aloni really quick one what advice would you offer when it comes to sex toys people out there listening to this thinking right I'm gonna give it a go I would definitely say try 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 and try do not stop at like one toy make sure you um you know you try different ones again I was talking about the excite bullet from love honey um, what's great about it is that it has, you know, for example, it has three different speeds and seven patterns, which you can play with. And you might want to get one for your friend as well. You know, do that, yeah. like surprise your friend with a toy. You surprise yourself. Well, not surprise because you'll know, but you <laughs> yeah. know, get yourself yeah. one. And, um, get yourself one and um, have that conversation. Okay. So how did you find it? And, you know, you express how you found it and just keep you know, trying out different ones as well. That's something that a lot of sex experts will tell you that they they have. I'm sure they everyone has the toy that they love. For example, I love my wand from Love Honey, but I will never stop to like um, trying out different ones as well. So uh, variety is the spice of life. And Love Honey sex toys, plug plug plug, are available in your local high street <laughs> super drugstore. Um, there are plugs as well. <laughs> Unplugs. Um, right then, so finally, I just want to come on to this question about myths. Any myths around sexual pleasure? We've only got a short amount of time, but any quick myths you want to debunk? The one I wanted to say is that I think so many of the conversations women have around sex treat sex as like a limited resource. That it's like, oh, I better not have sex with him be- like because like I don't want to give it away too easily. And I just want to say that like sex is not a limited resource. Like you can have sex with someone and uh, maybe like okay it didn't work out with them but that's not something that you have to regret like you can still have sex with the next person and it doesn't like it, your sex doesn't run out or go off or get spoiled if you use it up too much you can have as much sex as you like um so that's the myth that I wanted to buy that's a really good one Alex <laughs> Uh, I really hate the idea of the sexual peak. I think that's super weak. Um, there's this there's this myth that women reach their peak around the age of 28, that everything that came before that was just practice and everything that came be- after it will just be going downhill. It's a misinterpretation of some really old work done by a sexologist called Alfred Kinsey in around 1953. And I just think it's absolute horse poo (laughs) (laughs) well as a 40 year old woman that's really good news to me (laughs) yeah there are so to me 
sexual pleasure is something that I am still discovering new things about for myself. Our bodies change and evolve throughout our lifetimes. Um, things like uh, hormonal changes, pregnancy, childbirth, menopause, puberty, uh, hormonal contraception, stress, different relationships. There's so many different influences on how our body responds to stimuli, both physical and emotional. It's an infinite selection box of possibilities. Don't stop treating yourself. Never stop experimenting. Don't ever think that there'll be one point in your life when sex is golden and the rest is tarnished. The whole thing is sheeny shiny. It's within your power so long as you um, have the confidence to explore yourself. Well, I'll definitely rather take my facts from Alex Fox than some middle-aged white bearded man from the 1950s. <laughs> so thank you for that. He did play his part. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it's a while ago. Yeah. Um, Alani, anything from you? Um, I would definitely say um, when it comes to sex toys, um, if there's this idea that if you include a sex toy during intimacy between you and your partner, that it means that your partner is just not that great in bed, which is an absolute lie. I think we all know, like everyone on the panel here already knows that our, you know, female orgasm can actually be a lot more complicated than, um, you know, than we know. And I feel like, People forget that sex toys are not there to replace your partner. It's there to complement them. So um, I would love to get rid of that myth because I always hear, you know, when I suggest a toy from someone who's not really, you know, into the world of sex toys or doesn't understand the world of sex toys, they're usually, their rebuttal is, I don't need that. I've got a man at home. I'm just like, okay, sure. Yeah. Right then. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm trying to you help can you. can have it all. Um, um, thank you for giving me your all on this podcast i for one have learned a lot and have some actions to take away um but it's been wonderful having you so thank you as always to people listening make sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode and if you're loving super drugs helpful podcast do please leave us a review thank you so much and bye I'm going to go and play with my power tools now. I've got a new one from, <laughs> new one from Candid I'm a big fan of. <laughs> <laughs>